Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. And we have an, a great guest here, Mary Keough. Mary is the head of marketing for Map My Customers. And I'll have Mary explain a little bit about who she is and the company. But the reason why Mary's on the podcast here is because I started following her on LinkedIn. She has very, very intriguing, thought-provoking posts and way that she creates a community and just stimulates ideas and insights and conversation on LinkedIn. So that's how Mary and I got connected. And, and Mary, maybe you can tell us just a, a little bit about you and the company, and then we'll get right into the episode here. Yeah, sounds great, Steve. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share my perspectives in B2B marketing. Um, like Steve said, I'm head of marketing at a company called Map My Customers. We are a CRM specifically made for outside sales teams. So it's a map-based CRM. A lot of our clients, 100% of our clients are outside, um, which means they're in the field every day, if not every day, most days. So they need a map, they need a mobile first solution, and that's what we are. Um, but you know, I've only been here for three months. Uh, before that, I was at an agency called Gorilla76. They specialize in B2B industrial and mid-market companies. So they only run marketing programs for people that fit that bill. And then prior to that, I was six years in-house at an industrial company. So excited to be here, excited to start um, exploring the SaaS world and bring some of my experiences from maybe a more product-focused world into stuff that's more solution-oriented and um, software-based. Well, great. Well, let's let's jump right in and let's talk about uh, content. And you, po you, you focus a lot on content and what you're doing your job, your LinkedIn posts. Tell me a little bit just about the challenges that you have, right? You know, content marketing is not an easy thing. It's complicated. Tell me a little bit about kind of your point of view, your challenges on how you approach the development of content. Yeah, for sure. So my kind of overall marketing philosophy is centered almost 100% on content. So in the B2B space specifically, the buying process usually involves multiple people. And the buying process is a little more complicated than something like, you know, if I'm going out and buying uh, my swimsuit for this summer, I'm going to go on an Instagram ad, buy the swimsuit and like, you know, didn't have to talk to anyone, the deal is done. In B2B, that process is far more complicated. So you're likely vetting other solutions. You're comparing other solutions. You need input from multiple stakeholders. So just a little bit more complicated. And content is the way that you can infiltrate each stage of that buying process. So the way that I think about content is buyers want to research and purchase on their time and under their own conditions. And your job as a marketer is to put the right content in front of them based on what stage in the buying journey they're at. So what are some of the biggest challenges you have? You know, putting that content in the right stages so they see it at the right time. What are some of the challenges and some of the things that maybe that you're doing that you could share with us? Yeah, so I'll go kind of more high level. So more strategic at, at the outset, and then I'll get a little more tactical. So higher level, one of the biggest challenges I see is buy-in, 100%. Um, the idea and concept of content marketing isn't new, but there's been a lot of, I don't want to say like snake oil salesmen, but a lot of people who have put ideas of content into 
the heads of people in the C-suite or in leadership, and it didn't pan out. So they invested a lot of money, a lot of resources into maybe some content program that didn't produce results. But now we have systems in place. We're a little more sophisticated than we were five to 10 years ago. So the process of content marketing is actually, it can be measured. It can be measured well. Um, but I think that concept hasn't really seeped into the C-suite and leadership of a lot of these B2B companies. So at a high level, the hardest part of content marketing is getting buy-in on your content programs. Um, so that's what I would say more high level. Uh, luckily, in most of the jobs I've had recently, I made sure that they were bought in to content on the outset. So before I joined the company. And then as we get a little more tactical, the challenges are really, I think, in skill set. So we have podcasts, we have videos, we have text posts, we have blogs, we have case studies. The mediums of content are so multifaceted that finding a really skilled person in each of those categories is probably the most difficult part of content marketing now because quality is so essential. We are just inundated with content on a near constant basis. So if your content doesn't stand out, if it's not high quality, you're going to fail. And the only way that you can really get quality content is to get high skill people into each of those content mediums. You know, you said two things that are really important there. First off, you know, getting that buy-in. Um, I literally three weeks ago had this conversation with a VP of marketing that said, see, we've been doing content for a long time and we haven't gotten any leads off of it. We put a lot of time and a lot of effort towards it. And when you kind of peel back the onion, there's a couple of things that usually go wrong. One is getting that high quality content, right? Because you you can't just be saying the same things. You can't be just product focused. You've got to be leading the conversation and, and introducing new ideas, right? But then the other one is an area that you wrote a LinkedIn post about. And you, you called it, I think, the biggest fail or the biggest miss in content yep. marketing. Explain what that is. And so yeah. we can all understand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you nailed it right there. So a lot of people are producing a high volume of content. So the biggest miss in content marketing right now, I believe is distribution. So in creating high quality content that can be distributed or put into multiple channels. So you might do a podcast. And I think this is maybe where a lot of B2B companies fail the podcast and they just release the podcast out into the wild. It's on Spotify, it's on Apple, and they just assume everyone's going to listen to it. Maybe they occasionally promote it via email, but they're doing nothing else to distribute that content in any organic channels. And a podcast just, you know, for instance, is one of the most difficult organic channels to get going, to get a lot of momentum behind. So you need to be doing a lot of promotion of it. Same thing with anything else. So if you write a case study and you just let it sit on your website and maybe your sales team occasionally sends it out to a prospect. It's not really doing much for you. Now, if you're distributing that on paid social, maybe your CEO's organic LinkedIn, then you're getting more traction. So I think that that's where most content teams miss is just making sure the great content they're creating, it's, I'm sure it's great content. Most of the content I read is not bad anymore because quality is such a high standard right now, but then they're just missing on distributing it. 
you know, it, it's interesting. I, I wrote a whole article on uh, on the quality of content, and it came out of, you know, Gartner and Forrester and a, and a lot of, you know, different perspectives on the quality of content. And there's kind of two levels of content. There's there's the regular content marketing that's that's really focused on problems and products and features. And then there's thought leadership content, right, that that's actually pushing the industry forward and introducing points of view and new ideas. And that's what sparks a lot of conversations. And so one thing that I've noticed is you said, you know, a lot of B2B companies do podcasts. I, a lot of B2B companies don't do podcasts either. <laughs> yeah. And it, when you and I first started having a conversation, you started talking about how your podcast was one of the greatest sources of high quality content. Could you explain a little bit about that? Because I think that's yeah. something that would be really interesting for everybody to know. Yeah, absolutely. So our podcast is fantastic. It was already going when I joined Matt, my customers three months ago. And the way that we were sourcing content for the podcast was interviewing current customers. So they're usually sales leaders. So VPs of sales, you know, territory managers, what's their job like? How did they get into sales? What's the go-to-market strategy of the company? And then how do they use Map My Customers or a CRM to help push that sales process forward? So amazing, amazing content. Um, first of all, first thing that should go into any marketer's head is case studies. So the first thing I did was create case studies from all of the customer interviews that we did and then if it wasn't a customer of map my customers, then it was, how can we make this a blog? So for instance, we had a guest on recently, Luke Wittenbrocker from Mac tech, and he's the sales leader there. He does not use map my customers, but he talked about how he implemented a sales process from the ground up for his sales team. Huge, huge problem for outside sales because outside sales you know, the sales reps are kind of rogue. They're mavericks in the industry. They kind of do yeah. what they want when they want. So getting a sales process going and having them track that sales process is really difficult. So to your point, Steve, like hearing perspectives of other people in the industry and how they're addressing the challenges faced by your customer or prospect, in my case, it's outside sales teams, is just really cool to help push the industry forward. And you know what's in incredible about that. Uh, doing podcasts where you're interviewing your own customers, because they know right away, everything they say is going to go up and it's going to be audio or it's going to be video, right? So you can take any bits and pieces of that and pull it together into a case study where if you were to pick up the phone or do a, a call like this and say, hey, let's talk about doing a case study, then what ends up happening is you interview them, you write up the case study, you send it back for approval, they send it around, and literally maybe a quarter of the case studies you actually interview clients for actually end up being case studies, right? They just, yes. they fall into this quagmire, right? Where you had almost an unlimited amount of case studies you could create just from the podcast episodes. That's yeah. a, major, major benefit of podcasts. Um, we had also talked about that a great way to use podcasts is to interview prospects. Yep. The goal is to get the conversation flowing with a, with, you know, with somebody that's a prospect. So have you done that in, in what, what's that been like? Yes, we have 
um, a couple prospect interviews when we were first getting started. Um, and I think it was really valuable from a couple of perspectives. So number one, if they didn't buy from us, it was what can we learn from this persona, this person who we thought fit our ideal customer profile, but ended up not purchasing from us. So what about their process or their persona is different from our usual? So someone who would actually buy our product. So I think in a lot of ways it can help solidify product market fit or your go-to-market strategy and who you're targeting. Um, then the on the other side, it can help just establish relationships. So hey, one of them for one of our interviewees, for instance, was like, look, we just don't have the budget this year. It's not going to happen. But you guys are our first choice, we promise. So it helps continue that relationship. So you're not just checking in like, hey, just making sure we're still on your radar. You know, everyone hates to write that kind of email. But if you can write an email four months down the line, that's, hey, Andrea, let's, um, would you mind being a guest on our podcast? You know, we hear from other sales leaders, you're feel feel free to listen to a couple episodes before you say yes. Um, just want to hear your perspective. So it's just a really great way to maintain relationships. Well, I love that word perspective. We named the podcast, yeah, B2B marketing. Yeah. But I think it's bringing that perspectives to our existing customers, uh, to our own C-suite internally, to our prospects. The more that we can expand the perspective that they have and do that as an industry, that is value add. In fact, if you if you look up the studies, building that relationship is as important as the product and the offering of the company itself. There are plenty of really, really good companies out there that haven't built the relationship, aren't trusted, because going with uh, an outside you know, sales CRM solution, if you go with the wrong choice, that's a big risk. Right. So yes, you're going to want to go with somebody that you trust. And if you see that there's plenty of customers that have been interviewed, use cases, case studies, you're learning from the prospects, you're adapting, that builds trust in a big way. Um, and, and just that conversation, right? You can get an hour with somebody on a podcast and recording. And by the end of that, you're best friends. Right? That can't be done from just reading a LinkedIn post or, an, or a blog post. Um, it's that one-to-one -one dynamic. Because in the world of B2B ABM sales, ultimately it comes down to having a conversation and building that trust. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I love, love what you're doing. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. I'm going to broaden out a little bit. And this is the question. In terms of overall the importance of content on the success of the company, where on a scale of one to 10, let's put a number on it and then we'll talk why. One, not important at all. 10, vital to the company. Where would you put content on that scale? You know, I'm obviously biased as a content marketer, but I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say it's a 10, especially for B2B companies, because if you don't have content, you have nothing to earn what we've been talking about, which is trust, reliability, and credibility. So without content, you can't establish any of those. So you're just kind of left with maybe an outbound motion, but even then, so let's like explore that because it's a go-to for a lot of startups, especially in the SaaS space. You still need a narrative. You still need something to talk about. You still need problem solution. How, what problems do you solve for this specific person and why? 
that's all content marketing. So in my opinion, my very humble opinion, it's definitely a 10. Well, I mean, it is, it is the introduction, right? You know, it's, it's how people get to know you, especially for most, most companies aren't <clears throat> well-known brands, right? We're not household names. So you would almost put us in like a challenger, you know, kind of a, a position in the marketplace. That's most B2B companies. Because if, if somebody doesn't immediately understand who you are, then we need to carve out a, a space in their mind. So when they are in the consideration set, we're actually included in there. And over 50% of the actual buying decision is based on emotion. It's, it's risk aversion, right? It's, it's, do I trust the people that I'm, that I'm getting into business with? So you're right, content marketing, huge. So if, if you feel it's that, that vital, as you know, head of marketing, talk to us about the, the allocation of your budget, not how much you're spending, but just how do you spend your marketing budget in relationship to content? Yeah. So right now our budget, um, we're just getting a content engine going. So our budget is probably 60% distribution and 40% content creation. So ideally I would like it to be a lot higher, but um, our budget is limited. So this is a really good tactical tip. Anybody with a limited budget should probably spend a little bit more time on content creation and especially distributing in organic channels. Since my budget isn't necessarily low, you know, I would call it like mid-tier. Um, I'm spending a little bit more on distribution. So that's where I, that's how I think about um, budget allocation as far as content right now. And what are your favorite paid distribution channels and organic distribution channels? Yeah. So for organic, love YouTube, love LinkedIn, um, love email if you have a decent list or you have a persona who reads their email a lot, some don't. Um, and then as far as paid, love paid LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, Google ads isn't terrible. It's not my favorite, but it's kind of almost like a check the box play at this point. And then we're looking once we have a decent YouTube library of organic content, um, pushing that out through paid as well. So I think everybody here would probably say, yep, paid LinkedIn makes sense, right? When you start talking about Facebook and Instagram for a, a B2B sale here, how have you found in terms of kind of your, your ROI on, you know, say uh, meta advertising versus LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. So Facebook is still the cheapest paid social distribution play that you have at your disposal. CPMs or um, cost per 1,000 people reached on LinkedIn tends to be anywhere from $35 to $55, sometimes as high as $70 if you're going after a leader. And then Facebook, it's more like $8 to $15. So you can just reach a higher percentage of people at a much, much, much lower cost. And then the ROI is as simple as, hey, if you get three or four opportunities a quarter out of Facebook, you're, you're breaking even if not exceeding your um, budget. So that, that goes back, you, you talked at the beginning here about the content and you know getting buy-in, but also tracking and measuring and, and developing that ROI. Tell us a little bit about you know, when you're reporting to C-suite, 
mm-hmm. you know, and you're saying, okay, well, here's what's working. Here's what's not. What are you looking at? What are you using to kind of put forth the ROI for your content marketing efforts? Yeah. So I'll do the same thing I did at the, uh, earlier in our conversation, we'll start really high level and then we'll kind of break it down from there. So really high level, the big, you know, I have two minutes to report to my CEO. All I'm reporting on is inbound pipeline and revenue through the website quarter over quarter. That's it. How much website or how much pipeline or revenue did we source from the website this quarter and versus last quarter, this month versus last month, and then this year versus last year. So that's super high level. I only have two minutes. If I have something closer to 10 minutes, then we're breaking it down by sources within HubSpot or whatever your CRM or marketing automation platform of choices, which is organic, direct, referrals, other. So that's one way. So we'll break it down by HubSpot source. And then we also have self-reported attribution or how did you hear about us sources. So we break that out through a workflow in HubSpot. So if someone says, heard about you on LinkedIn or social media, it goes into a bucket. And so I report in two different ways. So both the HubSpot source and then the self-reported attribution source. And then if we want to go even deeper than that, we'll start doing kind of more leading indicators. How many form fills are we getting per week, per month, per quarter, per year? How are those um, converting to pipeline and revenue? So it just depends on how much time I have and then um, how soon my CEO's eyes glaze over. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Well, I'm sure the numbers are a big indication of whether the eyes are glazing over or not. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, you know, with this kind of a conversation, what should be our takeaway? The the people who are listening here say, I want to make more use out of our content. I want to drive more leads. You know, I want to create more revenue. You know, what are the things that you would have us take away or things that we maybe haven't covered yet on the podcast? Yeah. So my biggest takeaways is you probably have all the content you need right now to be successful. So I would maximize your distribution. Um, So first of all, break out your high quality pieces of content. Maybe you have a case study. Maybe you have a blog that gets a lot of traffic. Maybe you have somebody um, on your LinkedIn right now who's a part of your company who has a big following. Maximize your organic channels first and see how you can distribute that content on other channels. So me, for instance, you know, I have a, a decent following on LinkedIn. If I was a someone at a company, I would be saying, hey, can I interview you for a YouTube short? And then I can turn that YouTube short into distributed content on our company LinkedIn page. We can put it on the website. We can do email. So definitely maximize your organic content and see how you can make the most of it. Fantastic. Well, Mary, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of this. It's uh, the last thing that I guess I would ask is when it comes down to allocating dollars and budget, that's one of the biggest ways that you can see whether or not you're getting bigger support within the company. Because if something's working, we're willing to put more behind it, right? If we're going to make $4 or $5 for every dollar we invest in marketing, right? So in terms of pitching budgets, right? And 
that's a big part of that metric, that ROI. But what's your perspective in terms of trying to increase your marketing budget and the things that we can be doing internally in order to be showing that the justification is there, we need to be spending more because we'll be making more as a result? Yeah, that's a really good question, Steve. So the way that I approached it with my CEO, because, you know, we are a fairly small, you know, series A startup. So we're just getting going as far as allocating a lot of budget towards marketing. So I talked to him a lot in timeline phases. So not necessarily putting dollar values on the ROI of marketing, but timeline values on the ROI of marketing. So the more you invest in marketing, the faster you can see that marketing ROI come in. So if you give me X budget, I promise it will be recouped in 12 months. But if you give me Y budget, it'll be closer to that six to nine months. So that kind of puts the impetus on your leadership team to say, how fast do we want to grow and how big of a risk do we want to take? I like it. It's some shared responsibility there. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Mary, you've got, uh, I can understand why you've got a decent following on LinkedIn and uh, we'll all be uh, very, very happy to uh, follow you. Would that be the, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, would that be the best place? Yes, please. You can DM me any time. I answer all my DMs. Um, comment on my stuff and we'll comment back. We can have a conversation back and forth, but yeah, LinkedIn's the best way to get a hold. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you, Mary, for coming on. A very, very exciting conversation here and a lot to be thinking about that you shared. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Steve, for having me on.